Hello and welcome to this edition of Finance and Technology Insights. I'm Brian Williams. And I'm Eric Bjorndorf. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're yes, I know. to be back at it. Shame, shame, shame. It's my fault again. I don't even remember what the in, what the interruptions were, to be honest with you. But that's that's all right. Well, when we had a field day, so that's that's right. That we had a field day. So the girls are wrapping up their school their school year. So there was field day one of them. And then I don't know what the other one was, but as always, I appreciate your grace on that. And yeah, no problem. Hey, it's never like I have to go anywhere. So you could cancel with a minute before we're supposed to start and I'll find something to do. Yeah. Sorry about that. We've got, um, that's all right though. There's been absolutely nothing that's happened in finance or technology in the last. Oh, no, no, no. That's what, that's why I really was, was blown it off. Cause I want to, I like to pile it up a little bit so that we can have something to talk about. So what is going on in the news that you, that you find newsworthy? Well, I'm trying to trying to prioritize a little bit and mentally go through things. I think the the big thing that came through. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to the Apple stuff um, in a second, but Nvidia. I mean, they had they had like blowout numbers. They became uh, they touched over being the first, not the first, but the uh, the fourth trillion dollar company. So. They're joining the likes of Microsoft, Apple, and um, I am sh- I am a shameful retail investor. Like as soon as the news cycle picks it up, I'm like, add this company to my watch list. You know, and- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that yeah, pathetic or what? Well, hey, that that's what happens. But it's uh, you know, it's trading at like really high multiples. You know, so they'll. Um, meaning it's, it's expensive, right? You're paying, you're paying a lot for earnings. That's at your core. When you're buying a stock that you're, you're doing, you're paying for that company's earnings. So you're paying a lot for earnings. You're paying a lot for revenue, a lot for sales, but the idea in technology, those are always trading at very high multiples because they're, they'll grow into it, right? They put on big boy pants, you're buying them in big boy pants. And the idea is they'll, they'll grow into that. But, um, but that's not necessarily a, um, not everyone is is saying that because you've got you've got other companies that are building their own chips as well. So even though Nvidia is making these chips and they've even they've brought this um, you know next generation chip that that everybody's talking about, also you have the the software and the other hardware companies are building their own their own chips. And I guess that's maybe the tie into to Apple yesterday too is um, you know because of the logjam in in chips that was created partially by, uh, you know, COVID and supply chain issues. Um, you've had companies start to build their own chips, but, um, but yeah, most people are like, you know, people in the industry know NVIDIA, but I asked my wife if she had heard and she's like, no, I never heard of them. I'm like, well, would you, would you put them in the ranks of these three companies? She's like, no, those I've heard of NVIDIA. I haven't, but, um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. I thought that was probably the biggest news since we had our last session. Yeah, the uh, the leather jacket that the CEO wears during all of his uh, keynotes and um, investor calls or whatever, I uh, it gives me that uh, Theranos vibe. You know, what's her name that just went mm. to prison? Um, Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Um, so it's like it, it, it's like the cult of personality. I think he's trying to, to trying to drum up a little bit. Um, yeah. And, go ahead. No, just trying to tie it. They all have their, you know, sort of fashion thing. Of course, you know, Steve Jobs with the turtlenecks and Zuckerberg with the hoodie and they're all kind of doing their own thing. I mean, I, at 
you know, at that level, that level of CEO, you are a performer, you're an entertainer, you're a communicator. Yeah. You're, you're not that far, you know, you're not that much in the weeds of the day-to-day stuff. You're, you're a salesperson, right? Right. Right. Um, Okay. So my response to NVIDIA, you know, being the fourth trillion dollar company, you know, they obviously they got their start as a video game or, or a video um, what they would call a video adapter, which is the yeah. you know, video card you would have in a computer. And they kept putting more and more RAM on it and, and evolving that technology to make video processing on computers better. Um, then they, you know, they really were tailoring for the video game industry. But then they've kind of pivoted or they're expanding into, I think they went into mobile. They didn't do good in mobile. Uh, but now they're seeing AI is their new frontier. Um, I know that their chips were in the Tesla cars for a period of time, I think early, and they were going to be the platform, the computing platform for the self-driving technology. Mm-hmm. Um, they did showcase a development AI development uh ecosystem which i don't want to get too technical on but you know various tools and plugins that developers can use to leverage ai and and things and i did what i saw was nothing short of fascinating and amazing mm-hmm. um but uh and then they have uh you know they've got competition from ati which is noticeably quiet right now during this no- news cycle uh I, unless i'm unless i miss something i don't know if you're watching to that degree i haven't heard much from them no um and then you have you like you mentioned other companies and uh like te- so for example tesla decided to manufacture their own chip technology so now you've you know nvidia nvidia's got the competition from their previous customers so their customers are actually um, right. innovating away from N- nvidia so is the market big enough? Is this, is this whole AI uh, fad uh, big enough to um, to sustain? I don't know. I didn't look at their revenues. Did you watch their um, quarterlies or anything? Or I did. Yeah, I I read through it. I mean, their their numbers were very good. They had blowout numbers. Whether that justifies the the stock Multiple. price or not, I mean, right. who knows? It's the stock will trade what the market decides it's going to trade for. Um, right. But it's it's a very expensive. Basically, they need to execute perfectly on all of their strategies to make that, you know, a value. I mean, I guess the idea is like these tech companies create new markets and new Mm -hmm. that that have never existed before. So it's like new pockets of revenue that just weren't there before. Right. So the AI, the AI economy, I guess, maybe is what that that stock price is riding on, which the AI economy, by the way, is fledgling. Right. It's it's new. So we don't know. It's it's multi trillion dollar pool of dollars that these companies might be vying for as as the AI world kind of takes over. Yeah. And what is that? What is that pull from? You know, it's not just a whole created, you know, businesses that build these their own large language models or tap into something else they don't suddenly have this budget money from somewhere they don't just have you know money to spend on this so where else are they cutting from are they cutting from their cloud services or hardware or their um you know people are they cutting from their from their staff to build this stuff so uh, right money's got to come from somewhere so um you know if they cut 
cut staff and then that staff can't go by their video game systems or whatever that could hurt nvidia on the other side well, but. i mean the the account i mean it could come from increased capital increased productivity mm-hmm. you know if ai delivers which i've seen it myself in my in my com- my own company ai is delivering it is it you know it is producing more work with less people or the same people um so you know the the trickle down economics or something, uh, you know, is in effect. So yeah. anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but, um, yeah, either way, I mean, however you view NVIDIA or whatever your history is with NVIDIA, it's interesting, you know, they've come up kind of in my entire career, you know? So mm-hmm. I, was, I remember being a kid, you know, seeing the new NVIDIA chip coming out and then, you know, following NVIDIA and then ATI, ATI was, was, I think, Oh God, I, I'm so rusty on my history now. ATI <laughs> was a graphics maker, but they merged with who did they? What was the chip company that they? AMD. I think AMD, AMD. bought AMD bought ATI, and I don't even know if it's if they even go by ATI. Am I that old? I don't know. So um, I don't know. Interesting, interesting to see yeah, it pop, and then, pop like that. And it's it's uh, symbolic that the name we haven't mentioned, and we're. Uh, a few minutes in is Intel. We haven't even mentioned them, right? Isn't that crazy. Hey, who's Intel? Intel who? Intel, right? Yeah, Intel. Yeah, poor, poor crazy. Intel. They missed mobile. They, they're, they've got AMD uh, making them look bad with their own technology, uh, with the x86 architecture. Um, mm-hmm. The Itanium never went anywhere in the 2000s. I know that was supposed to be their big thing. 64-bit computing just took forever to to get there, and then. Um, you know, there's, it was kind of interesting. I remember year, years, I don't know if we want to go down history lane, but sure. I remember when um, Apple and Steve Jobs announced that they were going to go to the um, Intel architecture on their processors for Macs. And immediately right. I knew that you could then dual uh, boot or run dual operating systems. You could run Windows on a Mac. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, well, that's going to hugely help their market because Apple has always has struggled with having a smaller, you know, always like a one to, I think maybe they're even up to 30% of the personal computer market now. And as soon as they did, went to Intel, I said, oh, great. As soon as you can run Windows on a Mac, more people can get Macs, you know? Yeah. But they actually then turned away from that about, I think, what, three years ago, four years ago with this this new M M processor that Apple has designed. So now they're going away from Intel again. So um, it does seem like Intel is kind of out in the cold right now. It does. Does yeah, and then another name that I hadn't checked in on in a while was VMware. They're still alive and and doing all right. But I remember that was the big right spinning up virtual machines, and you could do your, you know, run your Windows on your on your Mac machine and on a virtual machine and all that kind of stuff. That was like a big hot thing for a little while. Yep. Yep. And, and, and VMware used to be an on-prem technology. We would run VMware on a server in offices or in a data center, Mm -hmm. and we would run, be able to run multiple instances of servers and workstations and things. And then then Microsoft came out with Azure, uh, which, and Hyper-V, I think Mm -hmm. that allowed, you know, so you could do it with windows and it was kind of baked into windows. So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Um, you know, I had a meeting with a, pr- a prospective client, large prospective client yesterday. And uh, I don't know what I want to say here, but they, 
basically I could tell right out of the gate that this guy was just a Microsoft hater. Like the CIO oh, okay. of the company was just a Microsoft hater. <laughs> and uh, I always laugh at those guys who hate particular companies and their technologies, you know, yeah. um, when it's, when it's more, when you can tell obviously that it's rooted in, in the uh, kind of cult of personality of the company, you know, like mm. I don't like the, that company's personality. Therefore I I'm going to hate their, you know, but right. in, technolo in technology, it's so costly to maintain that kind mm. of idea about companies. Uh, cause you're constantly, you know, you're constantly not picking necessarily the best product for your, for your need. Uh, you're yeah. picking like the best, the, the best product from the vendor that you emotionally like. Yeah. And maybe you can't tell me this, but was some of that rooted in self-preservation or self-importance? No, there's no. just, okay. there's two types of IT guys and it's, it's like, well, maybe there's three. It, there's the Apple guy who's just, mm -hmm. he's stuffing Apple products into his uh, enterprise a, as much as he possibly can. And that guy and that organization is paying through the nose for not having all their needs met. And it's very happily. And I've seen, we've seen that a lot. Then you've got the Windows or the Microsoft guy who's just full Microsoft, full boat, hates Apple, roll, big eye roll when Apple uh, is, is you know, trying to get introduced to his environment. Then you've got the Linux guy who hates them both. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and it's like organizations, CEOs and owner, business owners, when they have a technology leader that like they should run far and fast away from a technologist who's like, ah, Apple, I hate that company or ah, Linux, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, and I guess it's self-serving for me to say this because the type, the, the fourth kind of IT person is someone like me who's like com vendor agnostic. Like I don't right. care I mean, the, the, you know, the cultural things I obviously have opinions about, but like, I don't, I can, I can separate that from like, I'm just trying to run successful businesses here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and so we're going to use the best technologies and because and we'll, we're, we're dragging our feet, getting to the Apple stu uh, stuff mm. yesterday, uh, yesterday, but because technology companies, they're not in lockstep all the time with their release of features and functionality. You know, they have different release windows and then they actually have different appetites for how they um, view technologies and solutions, security yeah. and, and management. So um, if you're just kind of all in on one platform or one vendor or one company, like you're just always going to miss maybe optimizing mm the software and tools and solutions that you're kind of leveraging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to stall on the Apple discussion a little bit more, but it's funny how things like that that come up are universal, not just between us, between our businesses, but, you know, between multiple businesses too. And I was talking to somebody in my industry, not in not the same profession, but adjacent, I guess you'd call it. And we were discussing, um, there's been a number of these like, uh, preferred provider announcements or, or this strategic partnership and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the big thing was I'm independent, I'm agnostic, I can go anywhere, do anything. Now you're seeing, you know, this brokerage firm partner with this, let's say 401k record keeping company. And now they're performed a, you know, formed a strategic alliance and they're preferred. And I'm thinking, well, 
a few years ago, this business, part of what they did was we're going to search the market and we're going to find the best solution for you. Now, in the same breath, they're saying, well, we've formed this partnership and now they're a preferred provider. And you're like, well, who is that good for? I mean, it's good for the two partners that came together. They get to put out a press release and, you know, do a kumbaya and do a little video and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm the customer, I'm thinking, who gives a crap? What does this mean to me? If anything, it's it's worse. Like, why would you announce that you've basically eliminated 90% of the market and you're not even going to look at them um, just to focus on some, you know, because you have to high five somebody in the men's room. Like, it's crazy. But you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, you, you are preaching to the choir. There's a huge behemoth company called Kaseya. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever heard of that, ever heard of them or not. Mm -hmm. Um you know, they, they are a huge vendor in the IT software space. Yeah. And they, they cater to companies like mine, managed service providers. Um, and what they're doing right now is they are aggressively acquiring mm. as many companies in every sector of the solution space, antivirus, RMM, which is remote monitoring management software, um, security awareness training platforms, um, the whole, we call it the stack, right? So we, when the mm -hmm. whole IT picture for an organization has, has a stack of hardware and software solutions that run the whole organization. Right. And this company is just gobbling up all these companies. And, um, and we, we have, they, they've bought in the last two years, I think, three or four major software vendors that we use to run our business. <laughs> and now we're like, getting, they're all getting wedged under this umbrella. And now we're getting assigned an account manager and she wants to have like a weekly check-in call with me or, you know, and then like they want to sell me, they want me to adopt one of their solutions to, to put in front of my clients. And I, I'm like, I reviewed this space last January and you just acquired this company, like maybe just prior or whatever, but like, it's not the best solution in the space. So I picked right. another, yeah. I, I picked another product and the, the, uh, the, um, what's the word, the, 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 um, not disgruntled, but like the guffaw that she had when I was like, sorry, your entire suite is not the best suite. Like I'm not right. just going, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not the mini mall of IT software solutions that I'm just going to shop from. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the look like they they have this culture about them that like we have it all and this is all you need. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sorry, sister, like it's just not going to work that way. And then they do this bullshit move where they try to get you. Well, you know, we'll give you massive incentives with a three year commitment. And, um, you know, you know, the integration integration, it's like. Uh, it's 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 only good for the the behemoth company that's that's trying to give you and the consumer less options. No um, doubt. Yeah, I mean, it, every everything you said, I could plug plug in another brand name, another like it's it's the same exact thing. I mean, you're you you said the mini mall. I mean, it was it, you know this is going back probably a a generation or so, but the financial services used to call themselves a financial supermarket that like used to be like it wasn't even a pejorative term that was something they were proud of like oh yeah you can get everything through us it's like okay but maybe two of your 10 products are the best solutions but the other eight you know just because they integrate well what the hell does that mean it's it's a crappy product i don't want the other eight i want the two yeah you know? and listen i can't say i don't come to the table with clean hands you know like i can't say that i'm not um even a 
a member of this methodology. Like we, we just launched a full new line of business in, uh, under our brand. Right. So mm -hmm. we've been, I've been you know, talking about it over the months with you. Um, but we, we doubled the size of our company in the last six months, um, launching an entire new line of business. So we are now a full service digital marketing agency. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now our entire IT client base is being marketed saying like, Hey, you need a website. You want us to manage your Google ads. You want us to manage your social. Like we can do that now with your relationship. Obviously the angle is like the benefit of vendor consolidation. Mm -hmm. And that is a benefit, you know, vendor consolidation sure. is a benefit where it's a benefit, but we also have a culture and it's just our company and you know, it's Kumbaya, I guess. But you know, when I meet with a prospective client or a client who's like, you know, considering a new product or offering or solution from us. Like I, I, I'm, I can't help but say like, listen, you can get this from anybody, you know, like you can, you can get a website from a thousand companies or, right. or individuals, you know? Um, I just say like, you know, we, what's the, what's the decision makers? Is it, is it price? You know, we're always not going to always win on price. Is it the ease and is it the reliability? You know, and what, 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 we, what we leverage is business leaders, business owners, they want to like, they just want to get stuff done quickly. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that's like, that, that's what's important. So, I mean, I'm on a rant, but um, yeah. So No, I understand. It's a, it's a delicate balance between, you know, you're promoting your services and doing what's right for the client. I mean, you could take that to the nth degree and be like, well, right. we're going to, there's somebody else down the street who's a nickel cheaper. So I'm going to do what's right. right for you. I mean, you can't do that obviously, but. And, and the other I mean, yeah, you know, I'm always, I'm always trying to evaluate what my philosophy is, you know, in life. And one thing that I've, I've struggled with for a long time is market consolidation. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm little government, you know, small government, you know, that's kind of my ethos. It's kind of where I'm at. Um, but you know, like, yes, we can hire, we can pull together for a fire, fire department, police, um, schools, you know, things like that. So I've come to reconcile that, like, no, the communities can come together and, and have some frameworks to, you know, so government is important. Um, and then if you go look at like the, uh, what's the, um, what's the fed federal department that deals with like, um, like merges and acquisitions of like monopolies like the who um is that the yeah, probably um, sec the sec yeah, public yeah or federal so, trade commission ftc yeah, right like, so yeah, so over the year you know so you have like microsoft right now is trying to acquire i think it's activision which is like a, a behemoth uh game company and they're famously known for the call of duty series right mm. So Microsoft's trying to buy Activision. And prior to that, Activision was gobbling up all these other small development uh, companies, right? So Activision became a behemoth. And now the behemoth wants to eat, eat the behemoth. You know what I mean? Right. And so philosophically, I'm like, you know, people and we, I think America at large does kind of assign a kind of hu humanity to businesses for the sake of rights. And so, mm -hmm. you know, so I look at it like, well, you know, if Microsoft wants to acquire Activision, Act Activision wants to be acquired by Microsoft, then that's a, a you know, mutually benefit, you know, mutually engaged contract. Let it happen. Right. But then you look at the market and you're like, geez, you know, if Microsoft acquires Activision, then arguably one of the most popular video games will probably not make it to the Nintendo, will not make it to the to the mm -hmm. PlayStation you know, now the market, the market starts kind of acting weird. You know what I mean? 
So a lot, a lot of words to say, like, I, I've never, I don't know how to reconcile, like, let people be people like let thing, let the markets work, you know, let the free market work. But then mm-hmm. like, at what point do you like start like interfering and forcing yeah. two things that want to come together apart? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's probably a sign of maturity, right? You can't, you can't every, you can't put everything in, in kind of, and it really is just a case by case basis. And you can't, you can't have these big philosophical positions because they don't work. Everything is so, is so nuanced. You know, you can't have a company that does 99% of the market share, you know, would it be good to have the same grocery store have 99% of the market share. Yeah. There'd be huge efficiencies and whatever, but I don't think anybody really wants that. Well, so, lack, I mean, we all know lack where a market lacks competition. The consumer pays right. more. I mean, that's just right. how that works. Right. And in the video game market, that's a tricky one. Cause you've got, you do have different consoles and at this point, even the consoles target different, you know, different consumers, you know, some are more, mobile friendly some are more for the kids some are more for the the gamers and that kind of stuff so every market is every acquisition is different every you know any any type of corporate activity just have to look at it case by case but uh, right and that's why we have these that's why we have this framework and these these um, groups the ftc the sec that looks at mark the markets i guess and tries to apply some model or framework to a fairness and equity and saying like, mm-hmm. how would this adversely uh, affect the market? Um, it's kind of interesting though, when you look at I, something that I've been looking at for many years is market consolidation. When you start seeing like little, you know, it's like um, bacteriums or something, or like, you know, like it's like one, one eats th- this one and now they're like twice as big. And then this, mm-hmm. and then there's like, there's this game called the, uh, worms or something and like you just go around on this or snakes snake or something but like you go around and like you're like this little thing and you eat you keep eating these little pellets and then you keep oh yeah longer longer. you never seen that you know i I Um, have there's a similar one that's like a uh, i get this ad like during things it's like the it's a like kind of a war game or battle like you start off with this little yeah 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 yeah, the same thing like yeah it's the same same concept but yeah businesses so businesses do this you know so so and then they get so big and then they get broken up or they you know it's that's that it's that cycle I mean, yeah, maybe that's absolutely. just, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's just, that's the cycle, you know? I mean, the, the telephone companies did it in the, in the mid 20th century, you know, Ma Bell, right? Didn't Ma yeah, but then they were, they were forced to break up. So that's the other end of it. So you've got the, the merger part that needs to be overseen, but then you have to oversee these companies where there isn't a natural, they're so big that there is no natural competitor. Right. You know, it's like that. It's like that weed that takes over your, your backyard or something. It's like, there's, right. there's no, it has no natural predator or whatever. Right. You know, there's right. nothing that eats it and, and it just dominates the, and that's been the talk of like the obvious one would be like Amazon breaking up AWS from there. Right. Um, from their online sales stuff. And the funny thing is after you break them up, they just start consolidating again after a while, you know, it's well, a nice natural yeah. cycle, cycle habits. Cause my bell, all the telephone companies did that, you know, they all, they all like broke up into these regionals and smaller tele- telephone companies. And then they started merging again. And that's where we got Verizon, T-Mobile. I mean, even T-Mobile and Sprint, I think, did they do a merger that was controversial? I don't know if they pulled yeah. that off. Yeah. So it's well, like the reconsolidation then- is happening. Yeah. 
I think if you go back, you could, it's probably an area of, uh, of debate, but the breaking up of the bells is part of what propelled the, the internet is that you had the, they were kind of tampering that down and there was no incentive for them to increase quality or, or increase any of that, um, ability to, to connect. So, um, right. But I think I looked that up, but now you said my ears perked up when you said, uh, weeds and lawn, do we, do we go there or no? Yeah, I think we can touch on that. Yeah. So let's, I'll, I'll set the stage here and then you can give the details. So when I first moved into my place about seven or eight years ago, I looked at having one of the robotic lawnmowers, but it was, you had to, you had to put the, the edging, you had to put the edging the in. So I had the sensors. Yeah. The, the wires, you had to dig those, I don't know, six inches deep or something. And then, um, and at the time they weren't great on any sort of hills and they, they said, well, you could probably do yours, but it's only recommended for about an acre or so. So technology's grown leaps and bounds and you are now a customer. So I am now a proud. Yeah. So I've been, so we moved here seven years ago. The yard was much smaller when we moved in and every year I've been clearing, clearing, clearing and mm-hmm. making the yard larger and larger. And we're finally at the point where the canvas is kind of uh, blank and ready, you know, it's, it's just, we have a big grass field and, and uh, I've been spending a couple hours a week just on the tractor, just mowing it. And it's funny because my, my wife is like, uh, I come in one day, I think it was like maybe last summer I came in and, uh, I just was like, so tired of mowing this lawn, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, she's like, what's wrong? I, I thought you liked mowing the lawn. You, you bought, yeah. you bought all this new equipment. You've been working to make the lawn larger and, you know, uh, you bought the new tractor. I'm like, no, I like having a nice lawn. I don't like mowing the lawn, you know? So, uh, we've been getting into the robotic vacuums around the house over the past couple of years. And our first vacuum, um, was very m- manual. It was one of the newer ones, um, so the, the first Roomba that came out was like, it just had bump sensors. So the Roomba would just, when you started the Roomba, it would just start this circular pattern until it like bumped into something. It would turn like an eighth of a degree and then it would start the pattern again. And that it would just, it would kind of like vacuum through brute, brute force. You know, there was no logic to it. Right. Then they put on ultrasonic sensors, which are similar to like what you have in your car to tell you you're too close to the wall or a curb or something. If your car has that, I know the Tesla has it. Uh, and famously, they removed it a couple of years ago for cameras. Um, so then they put the sensor, ultrasonic sensors, which kind of gives it bat vision. And then um, then they started adding LIDAR, which is laser radar to the vacuums, which now can map the, the room in a three dimensional space. And they started sending that map to your phone. Now you can start seeing your house in your on the vac as the vacuum sees it, starts have mapping like no goes and stuff. So the the technology has been getting better. And I'm watching the mowing, the robotic mower space, which actually has been around, they, they said since the 90s. Husqvarna says they've been doing it since the 90s, which I'm not sure I... I, I kind of remember almost like literally a, a remote, like remote control cars. I remember that being like yeah. a, a Radio Shack thing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm like dreaming that or making that up, but I kind of remember the idea of... Um, and I remember my dad saying that, like when I had a remote control oh, there you car, go. Maybe. Like, Maybe like, yeah, they should have blades on the bottom of that thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, so the mowers, at least in the last 10 years, have looked a lot like the early gen 
uh, uh, Roombas, which were just mm -hmm. like dumb. And so literally these ro robotic lawnmowers were, were just aimlessly go just driving straight until they bumped into something would do a, a turn and then continue driving. And then, mm -hmm. and then they would just eventually, because when the interesting thing is this is the first time you see not the first time, but I mean, it's the kind of first time I really reconciled or recognized that, wow, when you have all the time in the world, efficiency doesn't really matter you know mm -hmm. like the, so like me and we're like long story short i got a robot a robot mower and you know as we're watching this thing like process the lawn it's only taking like a small cut and then the way that it works on as a disc with like three little razor blades that it just flings out to cut the grass and you're looking at like geez at first you're like this is gonna take forever how's this thing gonna do yeah. this you know but then you realize well it has nothing but time yeah right you know um so anyways, I've been watching the space, did not want to do the boundary wire. I knew that the, the boundary wire was not tenable for me. Um, I definitely knew that it was a, bound, a barrier to entry for most people that want to like, who wants to bury mm. this wire? Watching yeah, what literally. they're was, say again? Yeah, literally a barrier to entry, right? It's yeah, barrier. barrier to entry, right? Yeah. Um, watching what the vacuums were doing in the house, like, wow, they, this is no longer a bump and go thing. This is, um, my, our downstairs vacuum has ultrasonic sensors. So it sees like a bat has LIDAR. So it, it lasers the envi environment and draws a, a real 3d representation of the room in real time. And it's got cameras with AI and machine learning. So now it literally sends me pictures of shoes in the way. And with a with an analysis and says um, suspected shoes in the way, uh, and it says it says confidence like ninety eight percent. So like you know ultrasonic lidar vision on on the vacuum, and so I saw what was happening with that, and I said they're going to come out pretty soon with a robot lawnmower that does not need the boundary wire. Mm -hmm. And uh, last year I saw I think they announced their first one that doesn't need a boundary wire. So I just got the one that doesn't need a boundary wire. It was shamefully expensive for what mm -hmm. it is. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I've been playing with that for the past couple of weeks. All right. So obviously I have a million questions about that. And I think that all, that all ties in with the show. I think it's a reasonable topic here. So when you set that up, did you kind of have to like, like you would with a dog, like walk it around the edge of the yard so it knows your boundaries? Tell me about that setup. Yeah. So again, I'm going to keep comparing the vacuum with the mower. So the vacuum, you can kind of just like tell it to do its first clean and it will just drive aimlessly around the house and it will 3D map the house and save it to the software. And then once you have the, so the, the house mapped, you can then start dropping in go no-go places and mm -hmm. um, you can start prioritizing rooms and, and partitioning. The mower doesn't do that, which I was I can kind of see maybe why it's the mower is not a danger at all to anybody ever. So, so that's the good news. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised. They didn't just have that kind of like go out and map the space and come back. So what you have to do is you have to, when you, you have to create a workspace, I think they call it or a work zone. And the way that you do that is you have to, when you initiate that, it undocks the, the, mower from the dock and it backs up and it just waits for you and then in the software you literally drive it like an rc mm. car okay. and you drive it in around the boundary of the workspace and 
I was like, oh my God, if, if, if the software errors out after like halfway around this, <laughs> is, how many, how many, how many times am I going to have to do this? Thankfully the software is buggy, but thankfully it's, ro it was robust enough that I haven't had to remap okay. any of the yards. So I've, I've, I'm working with the first map and then the whole editing of the map is not really intuitive. Um, like the, again, with the vacuum, you can kind of do what's called rubber banding. You can kind of like easily manipulate the boundaries and things yeah. and it's very easy and you don't need to be connected to the vacuum in order to do that you just have to have the app internet connected whenever you're manipulating the mowers map you have to be connected to it through bluetooth so you have to be within like you know 50 feet of it um and then the software to map it is not really intuitive you have to you can pick a point and then you can tell it like offset up to a hundred centimeters either in either direction. Mm. It's not the best software. So, um, still getting the hang of it, but, but that could be upgraded. That's the good news, right? I mean, once you have the software, the hard, the, I mean, once you have the hardware, the software can be updated. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's pretty clear that the hardware, this thing is going to get the LIDAR and the camera treatment, the vision treatment. Uh, it's just, the sensors are so inexpensive and the benefit to the software and the functionality is so high. So that's, that's, a, I still, I, I'm not an early adopter and this is going to tie us into the Apple. I think I'm not an early adopter. I'm a, I'm a mid early, I'm a mid rare, you know, I'm not, I'm not well done. I'm not rare. I'm a mid rare, you know, like yeah. uh, a little head of the, of the group, uh, the masses, but I'm not that early adopter technologist. Um, when you're an early adopter, you're just suffering from all the pain. <laughs> You pay through the nose and you, you end up beta testing and, and, and going through all the pains of the new technology. Right. It's like they should pay you to take their product. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, you know, it's like buying a first model year vehicle. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, you're just going to suffer all the, all the problems that were not uncovered during development. So I feel a little bit like that with this mower. Okay. So two, uh, two quick questions, one legit, one a little bit wacky. Uh, legit one first, any concerns about like theft or what sort of anti-theft or? I feel bad for anybody who's going to try to steal this thing. It, okay. I, it has a sensor, it has a pickup sensor and a stop sensor. So if you interfere mm -hmm. with the thing, um, it has a ridiculously loud siren on it. And oh, okay. It, and it just runs forever. In fact, I tripped the siren off because I had to relocate the thing once and the software again is not intuitive in it in saying like I'm authenticated with the device on my mobile. That's how you control it. Um, the software is not intuitive enough to say like, Oh, I need to pick the thing up. So let me hit pick up mower mm. and temporarily disable that. Right. Um, I learned the hard way that you have to go into like settings and disable oh. it um, prior to handling it. So I picked up the thing and it took me about five minutes to like, get the software to recognize what state it's in. And it's like, no, 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 you're not being stolen. You know what I mean? And the whole time I'm like, I'm kneeling over the device and it's, and it, and this thing's just like ripping my eardrums off. Wow. Okay. So the only, anybody who steals this thing is going to end up destroying it just to get it to stop making that noise. Probably. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. All right. That's good to know. But it, so I, I probably am thinking about this Is it, but is, is there a, uh, world you see where we we both hate the sound of these enormous industrial lawnmowers that everybody has to have that that could you see a, 
a world where somebody rolls into a neighborhood on one of these trucks and like seven or eight of these things just roll down the back of the ramps and go out and like mow seven lawns at, at once and then go back to this truck? Partially, partially. So Husqvarna already has a fleet management platform mm. where a landscaper can own uh, many of these units and okay. dispatch them to houses. The pra the, because the unit is so small and it moves so slowly, um, it's not practical for a landscaper to show up and then deploy his drones, get the work done and have them re-home re to him and then leave. Right. What is happening is Husqvarna lets a landscaper buy these pro versions that um, then the landscaper has a dashboard that can mm -hmm. see what they're doing at any given time because they all have... Um, 4g cell service in them so okay they, they if you do steal the thing by the way i'm tracking you all the way down you know in real time um on a map where the thing is um but yes they yes so the answer to your question is this is definitely going to be a situation where the land you may sign up for a landscaper who's going to take care of your lawn and the effect of that will be he may dispatch a robot he may um he may uh home a robot or uh, reside a, a robot at your house mm, and okay. um, he will just manage the robot, you right. know? And then if you were to discontinue services with him, he would just collect his robot and then go. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So more of a, almost kind of a rat. So it might, and it'll probably be a combination, right? So maybe the, maybe this thing runs, you know, Tuesday at night or something. And he's got on a schedule that he's going to come on when he or she is going to come on Wednesday and do the weed whacking and the blowing or, or whatever. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and what's really fascinating, which is, which my dad who, who lives with us in our, in our uh, home, he, he didn't see it yet, but I'm like, dad, one of the benefits of having a robot lawnmower is it runs every single day. It just, it tops right. off the grass. So, there is no five o'clock shadow day or days with my lawn. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, right? You know, the, yeah. those, those days where you're like, oh, really, I really can't miss it today. I got to get out like the day. Like if I go another day, it's going to be too long for the mower. It's going to look like, you know, hell. Um, every single day, my lawn, it, my front and back lawn now are like perfectly striped and manicured every mm -hmm. single day. Like I haven't had a five, you know, so you're getting like, you're getting a nice experience. So with the with the robot like you whether you own it or you hire the landscaper who deploys these things mm -hmm. um you're going to have a night yeah so you're gonna have a perfectly kept yard every single day and then like you said the landscaper may time a certain service where he come he or she comes to do the edging any mm -hmm. supplemental planting repairs stuff like that so i could definitely definitely see that happening all right. Good stuff. Makes sense. All right. So Apple did a thing yesterday, right? They had a little uh, conference of which they announced a bunch of stuff. You want to do some of the nerdy tech stuff there? Yeah. I mean, how, can... how much do you want to get into it? Do you want to get right to the big thing or do you want to well, cover so the, kind of so the big thing, of course, is the is the goggles. They're they're wearable, which is a new product category, which was a big talk on 
so let me, tech let platforms me and before CNBC we do that, let me just pitch, yeah. pitch one, pitch one bitch, which I, I am now an Apple user. I've, I've been on the phone for years now. I've loved the iCloud ecosystem, the phone ecosystem, got the watch, the kit, the parent controls and the family setup with the Apple stuff is really great. So we're, we're an Apple family, but I, I've been a holdout for the computers. I bought my first new Apple computers, a laptop. I'm talking to you on it right now. It's quality, high quality, well built. It's in the whole Apple ecosystem. Love it, right? My wife is, has a uh, PC, a Dell or something for her work at Lego. And um, she has, my, Microsoft has released, effect, you know what Face ID is? It's basically mm -hmm. facial recognition for the, you know, your phones have the thumbprint reader on it to log in the biometric, yeah. right? She's had the Face ID thing from Microsoft on her laptop. Does, does Do iPhones not have face id the iphones have it the i oh, i don't know okay. if the ipads have it but here's the bitch here's my here's my complaint apple still does not put their own face id technology in the laptops mm. and then my second complaint is that they still don't they still don't put touch screen so so my wife had touch screen and this fa this face recognition unlock feature in her uh, laptop and i was watching her over the last couple of years with it while she was using it and touch screen on a laptop is nice. When you're looking on a web and you just lean for, or you're reviewing a document, if you can just lean forward and kind of like finger scroll up and down real quick yeah. to, to, to look. I mean, it's a practical use case, you know? And then watching the the um, unlock with your face. I, now, my wife, my daughter, my dad all have newer phones than me. I'm I'm running with this seven-year-old <laughs> iPhone 8, which I'm which we'll be updating this, this year. Um, but I watch them unlock their phones with their face. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I'm looking at Apple, like, why do you not have the face ID thing in, in your laptops and touchscreen? I mean, it's with all of, because now you can get the Apple, you can get the phone apps now in large part on your Macs mm -hmm. and it would just lend itself to just have this ecosystem. So that's, yeah, that is a little bit strange. They, yeah, they announced a new laptop and I was kind of waiting to see like, are they going to put this technology in their laptops? And they didn't. So that was... Mm -hmm. That's the mini announcement that I'm complaining about. So go okay. ahead. Now would yeah, that is that is kind of a weird one. My like kind of my my travel computer is like a, it's an older Surface Pro, and that's have you know that's got the detachable keyboard and whatever. But that's had the login with Face and the oh it know, does on screen that? and yeah yeah I mean you pull it apart and it's a tablet and then you pop it back together and it's a but that's had the Face ID and the you know, so I'll usually type on it and I almost sometimes forget it's got the touch screen and then I'll go just go in and pinch something that I'm trying to read or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is a it is a huge feature. Yeah. And when you go back to a laptop that doesn't have it, it's like going back in a time machine. It's like, I can't it, like touch, touch this. You're so used to doing it on your phone. You're like, oh, my God. And they and, and they famously back in the 2012 or so, 13 when they were calling for Apple to put touch in there, they took a position. You know, they took a position because they were trying to sell iPads at the time. Right. Nobody wants to touch your the, the 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 your laptop screen. That's what Apple's position is. Nobody wants to touch your laptop screen. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's just not true. And I think it's unfortunately one of those positions where, you know, they've been wrong before. So, like, how much crow do you want to eat publicly to be? to do the right thing. You know what I mean? And I think there's, yeah. they, have, they have enough products to distract everybody that like, it's, it's a small request. It's kind of narrow, but it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, why, why did 
you know, you ever use a piece of software or hardware or something where you're like, why is you, the thing that you expect to be there isn't there. You're like, why isn't this here? Yeah. No, you I know. know. And, and then strange. the, the uh, sidebar on the Apple watch, like I, this thing needs a FaceTime camera, like total, like go <laughs> full Dick Tracy on this. Right. right. You, like put and and, uh, and I know it's a small form factor and I'm, I know that they're space constrained, but the watch clearly needs a camera. You know what I mean? Because they sell, they're cellular enabled. You're in the ecosystem. The FaceTime software, whatever, like it just would lend itself, in my opinion. And they, and I'm watching that closely. But um, I mean, yeah. these things seem so trivial. But I know they seem pretty obvious. And especially with the with the watch, if you're concerned about the size or the weight of it, just make it a different model. You know, I mean, sometimes yeah. you're like, you know, if you're out for a run or a hike or something, maybe you don't want to bring your phone, or maybe you don't want to bring, you know, that, and you just want to grab like a quick you know, a selfie or something, not any kind of high quality photography or something, but right. yeah, you could certainly want to take a picture or do a quick FaceTime. Nothing wrong with that. I'm totally dragging my feet to the goggle announcement. But <laughs> one, the, the, the next thing that they announced was in iOS, um, the ability to, when you, whenever you want to exchange information with somebody, you know, you always have to like exchange phones, which I never do because I'm a security professional. I never hand my phone to anybody, but mm -hmm. Um, or you just say, my number is blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Um, they're coming out now with the, with the, with this fall with iOS 17, the ability to walk over to another iPhone user. And if you want to exchange information is you hover your phone next to each other and your respective information is presented on the other person's screen. And then you can accept it yourself. Right. Did you, did you see that piece? I did. Yep. So, yeah. so I laugh and my, my wife, was like you're such a nerd like why do you care about this stuff but i laughed because i was like two problems here one this was this came out like 2010 when smartphones came out you remember an app called bump i don't remember that app no you mentioned it yesterday but i hadn't there was an app in 2010 or something that was like early 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 days called bump and it was and they had commercials and stuff and and a lot of people downloaded it uh for a while and it was cool because you open bump on your phone and it was cross platform and you just like bump into each other and the Bluetooth connection would be made and whatever. And it would signal the app. And then it would be like, mm -hmm. Oh, we, um, there's a information request exchange, you know? So like that functionality has been around forever. And then bump kind of like lost its cache because of, you know, the app economy kind of came up around it and more, more things were happening. Um, then you see like Apple in 2023 be like, oh, you can bump information to, to each other. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for innovating. You know, like that, where was that five years ago for one? Yeah. And then for two, like, come on, call Google and be like, hey, let's just make this a standard across Android and iPhone. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's just do this. So, you, you know, like I get the green blue bubble thing. Fine. But like, you know, like grease the wheels a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of a weird one. Um, you don't run into that instance a lot, but I mean, at least sharing among my contacts on my, on my phone works pretty easily. You know, if I share a contact, if all my contacts, you know, I have an Android phone, but any contact I save there goes into the Microsoft ecosystem. So then it's all in, you know, if I get somebody's email address or something, then it's available at Outlook and all that kind of stuff. But, um, sharing i don't run into a whole lot but i mean now everybody's got like either qr codes or they've got those business card things that's the tap and yeah all that kind of stuff but 
Let yeah, I just, uh, I just, it's one of those Apple, Apple moves where it's, you know, they, they, they do engage with standards and things. I mean, I remember when you could finally um, add Exchange to your uh, iPhone, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, which made it more useful in business and stuff. So, so they will work with others when it like if it's beneficial to them. Yeah, yeah, but but it's just. It's so obvious to me that they're anti-consumer and pro-Apple that like all this kumbaya, we love you, we love our consumers, we love our consumers. Like, do you though? Do you, do you, mm. you know, because here's here's my rant going into the goggle. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. So we're 51 minutes in and we're, we're I think our timing's perfect. Um, immediately, I was like, I, I said to my, my, I'm like not elbowing my wife, like, look at this mess that they're, that they just announced, you know, this goggle, like, honey, do you want to wear one of these around the house? And she's, and she's like, absolutely not. I said, I said, okay, do you want to, do you want to pay? And I, this is before they, they announced the price. I said, you want to pay $2,500 for this to walk around the house? She goes, absolutely not. Then they, then they announced the price $3,500. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, okay, so $3,500. And on top of all that, Apple hardware is famously, with the exception of their laptops, single user. Right. Right. So you can't even like, you can't even, and it's been, and parents have been chastising Apple for years for not having a multi-user mode uh, platform on the iPads. Like why yeah, should you buy an iPad for every toddler in your house. You know, you know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. should be able to like have a, a multiple identities on the iPads and then like schools could benefit from that and a, and a lot of things, but no, famously they are single user for their mobile devices. And same thing with this headset, you know, like I don't see a multi-user, uh, you know, they didn't speak to a multi-user. So assuming I want to fill my house with, with people with Apple vision or whatever, it's 3,500 bucks a head. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So I never even thought about that with the iPads. Like you couldn't have like, like on a laptop, you could log in with different users and have different apps and you can't do that on an iPad. No, you cannot. You cannot. There is no login framework on the iPads. It is mapped to the single owner. That's crazy. I mean, the, the reality is I probably would get my, my kids their own iPads anyways. But yeah, they'd be fighting over it. But but the use case exists where it would be in the best interest of the consumer if the iPad could be a multi-user platform. Oh, and sure. Now we're talking about a $3,500 headset, which they're now equating to the next big evolutionary platform where we're going to spend our time. And I, you, I, I want you to share that, that picture you sent me this morning, which was like almost made me cry because of, of the accuracy in it. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, that was pretty good. I have to, yeah, I'll have to see if I can find that. But here's the, here's the picture of the goggles there for those people looking at the, I don't know, I guess you can't, what are they calling it? They're just calling it a headset, right? Not goggles, but uh, $3,500. And it's the first new product for them since the, since the watch in 2014. And they're, it's a pretty good runway, giving them six months to, I don't know if they're taking orders on this yet or whatever, but um they displayed some Microsoft tools, some Adobe tools, and then Disney chimed in with uh, being able to watch some Disney stuff and do some interactivity there. But um, I don't know. I mean, like if you were advising any any business or anybody that had a product, you'd say, okay, who's your market? What's your market? I don't know. 
I mean, other than people who are just, you know, have the money to spend on stuff and want to test things out, or maybe even some, some developers, I, I don't know really who the market is for this. Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I mean, if it replaces a PC and you can work from it and play it, play in it, then it's obvious, right? Okay. I'm going to sit over here. I'm going to put my headset on and I'm going to do some work or I'm going to sit in here, watch them. So like, I get it. Like I have an Oculus quest two uh, or the, the meta quest two. And I try to use, I, I, I go months and months without even using the thing because it's a heavy, bulky headset. Um, so and this is much heavier than that, by the way. So this is heavier because of the it's a little bit sturdier hardware and everything, but um, but it is heavier than that. Yeah. And this is why I laughed so loud when I saw this, because I mean, it was this thing was so rumored to be in, uh, over the last four years that this was coming, uh, that this was in development. And I'm just we the punditry always says, like, would Steve Jobs have done that? You know, I know we're in like the Tim Cook uh, Apple now. But you, you look and like, would Steve Jobs have have done that? Like, w- would that be would that have been good enough for for him? I, I don't know. I, I look yeah. at this thing and I'm like, immediately I, 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 I say in response to this, OK, great. This is your 1.0. Like now go make it 40 percent smaller. <laughs> you, right. You know, like, and cheaper. And, yeah. and, and, well, and cheaper for sure. But, you know, the next you know, every year Apple's always about like 40% faster, 40% smaller, 30% mm-hmm. uh, smaller bezels from last year's model. Like, so the only thing that I see as a positive with this is like, they're going to Appleize this thing at this point. Like this is the worst it's ever going to be. And right. this is surprisingly lean. So now I'm like, okay, fine. Like you're going to come to market with this ridiculous thing. Um, go Apple it now, you know, like every year you're going to come out with an, a new model and just keep squeezing the hell out of this thing. Because what I do want, and I think I've been saying this to you for a while, is I do want smart glasses. I would be okay with waking up in the morning and putting on my smart glasses that have all sorts of functionality, maybe even most of the functionality that this thing described, which is the the augmented reality overlays, messages, apps, um, you know, sit in a uh, airport or uh, airplane seat and watch a movie, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I definitely do want that, but I can tell you that I definitely don't want a bulky headset for $3,500 that doesn't really seem to solve any problems, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a product looking for a, a, what's a solution looking for a problem or something as they, as they'd say, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, I think I think you brought up all the good points there. That it is a it is a 1.0, and some of this is just just getting it out right. They know they could wait another year and make it 2,900 and make it better, faster, lighter, smaller, all that kind of stuff. But eventually, you have to you have to get the product out right. So that's probably what this I, is is just, I, just getting it out. I don't know. I mean, you're a trillion dollar company. Like I feel like I, I feel like I would have spent another two rounds of iteration on this if, if before. I would have announced yeah, it. Yeah, but if, if you can around. get it out and sell a bunch of these and knowing that probably everybody that buys this is going to, if you got enough money to pay 3,500 now, in two years, you're going to have enough money to pay 2,500 for the next version, you know? So why not get it out and sell this to all the morons while you're still working on the real one, you know? Yeah, I mean, even after the fanboys buy this, I don't think, I don't, 
you know, people, I remember when the, the first thousand dollar iPhone was announced and people were like, what? <laughs> we're, not, yeah. we're not spending it, you know, and they did and they do now regularly. And that's the, that's mm-hmm. now the regular price for an iPhone. I don't think $3,500 or even $2,500. I don't think this thing has enough utility to force a um, lower, lower middle class family to, um, you know, not buy Johnny new sneakers uh, this no. month because they well, need to get even it. sneakers. I mean, this is a, this is a, I mean, this is a major purchase, even a, even a laptop at this point is, but, but what I'm trying to draw the distinction is like even homeless people have iPhones. It seems like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so right. That's what so like, I just don't think that this is the type of product that people that like you'll see homeless have, you know, or you'll have, you'll have, you know, economically uh, stressed families making everything else suffer because they have to have an Apple headset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's the complete opposite of this. Maybe instead of this being some kind of an elitist product, maybe this is something we do give to the homeless. And I say this sort of half jokingly, but if your physical environment is, is so undesirable, maybe this is something we give them instead of saying building a real environment for these folks, maybe we can just help them by giving them this virtual environment. And as long as they're, as long as they're warm and safe, their actual physical environment means nothing, but now we can give them this. And now they've got something at 3,500 compared to a a dwelling at 35,000 is, is a, is an upgrade for them. Now they can go all these different places in the world and take all these classes and they can do all these different things for $3,500 at that price. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I'm not going to touch that one. I don't think, (laughs) um, I, you know, the, the, I don't mean to completely roast this either. I mean, I, I think it's a compelling space. You know, I bought the Oculus quest two during COVID with some, uh, fantasy that that the the world would see that wait a minute for four to your point for four hundred dollars we can we can put a 3d webcam in the classroom of every classroom Mm -hmm. and a platform google or whatever can spring up around this model with with educational institutions and every kid can have an oculus quest 2 or a headset and now virtually attend in-class instruction and and if you've ever seen 3d environments in a head in and it's really kind of compelling you're they're, like in they're good space, they're good track, yeah tracking head movements so like if you get sick in vr it's this is different like you're sitting down and like you're it's you're not being overstimulated you're just in the classroom you know mm-hmm. um and so i think that that's I think that's the real opportunity, which I think kind of says what you're saying. Like it, the, you know, like you can attend a, a, the demonstration that they gave of like watching TV and you can have multiple sports and, and then watching like a replay on your, uh, the little versions of the uh, basketball players on your coffee table, you know, um, you know, the, the, the immersion use case is there, but I think it, I think this kind of tool is, is going to be hugely powerful for remote learning. I just don't think that people, yeah are yet there with, you know, the platforms aren't there yet. The infrastructure at the schools aren't there yet. But I mean, when I, when I went to college in um, Champlain college, uh, Champlain was a small private school, but they were kind of like technology forward. Like they, they were, um, they spent a lot of money on, I remember um, playing with VoIP voice over IP. They Mm -hmm. spent a lot of money on teleconferencing. 
and they were they were early on the distance learning and all of the distance learning sure. platforms. So um, I do think the virtual headsets are compelling for distance learning. So I just remains to be seen if that will be adapted to that. Yeah. And it's about it's about the content. If this is the you know, at this price point, it's it's hard to justify. But if this is the um, if this is the tool that lets you take a tour of the a guided tour of the White House or something for ten dollars, if it lets you do a a fly through of of the Grand Canyon or, or a tour for for twenty bucks or something, you know, if this is the mechanism that lets you do that, then it starts to be a pretty good deal. If this is the some if this is the tool that lets you attend a certain conference where if you had to go in person, it would be, you know, it might cost you that to go in person. Now you can sit there and the experience is pretty close to being, you know, live and you can have the ability to ask questions and, you know, do whatever and that type of experience. The same thing with, you know, with, with sporting, if you can take this and, and get front row seats to the NBA finals or the world cup, I mean, that experience is available now and now maybe, that's where Apple partners with some of these, um, you know, cause sports are the only content basically that, that anybody's really bidding up or, or paying for. But, you know, if, if you can get this and then for another $50 get, you know, home plate seats to the all-star game or to the world series or something, then it starts to, then it starts to really add value. Cause the experiences to those are, they're, they're really close to being, being live um yeah that's even, that, that's a good point my, my father and i used to, I used to take my dad to a football game a patriots game once a year just just to get out there and get get participate in it but we always hated the drive we hated the walk into the stadium it was all we always went before we learned our lesson and started going to pre-game pre-season games we always went in december or october or something yeah. it was always you know we're always freezing um so, yeah, I mean, if there's a platform that we could get a virtual ticket and you're dropping, you know, you're dropping your you're dropping in on your headset. Do you know if it, um, any sport sports are already selling virtual tickets? I don't know. I mean, I had one of the I had one of the early headsets. It was the one where you could put the it was a Samsung headset and you put your um I remember you that. put your phone into it. That was and that at the time, I mean, that was probably five years ago. But even that you could get. I think they were on they were on replay, so that it wasn't available live. But you would basically get the the court side center court seats, and you could change your you could change your perspective where you were behind either one of the benches, you were at center court, kind of opposite the benches, or you were behind one of the baskets. And that that experience was was pretty good because you could look to the left, you could look to your right, right. even when you know the the when you watch on TV, obviously the camera follows the game action from you know, one side of the court to the other, but the game action would be at one end of the court. You could look down at the other end of the court and just, I mean, obviously nothing was going on, but you could see the the crowd and cheerleaders or whatever was going on down there. You could turn around and look behind you and you could or look up and be like, oh, what does the top of Madison Square Garden look like? And it was real. It was, you know, so that experience was decent even five years ago. So I can imagine that, you know, Apple's already in that business anyway. They, they televise the Monday night or I'm sorry, Friday night baseball. So they've got that. So maybe this is, maybe this is their way to get those exclusive kind of packages. People said that stuff wouldn't happen, but it's already happened. I mean, if you've got, 
if you want to watch the Yankees, you need like seven different subscriptions. I mean, they're on, they're <laughs> right. on, it's, it's, right. it's true. I mean, they're on, they're on Apple. You got to yeah, find footballs them. The same way. Nights. You got to go, yeah. you got to go on Peacock. You got to go on all these different things. I mean, there's going to be, you know, certain Yankee games that are only available on this device. Right. You know? And you right. say people will never pay for it, but so, so far we're at, have. We're at, so we're at the point where maybe the use case exists, but the ecosystem, the, the you know, the infrastructure and the ecosystem isn't quite there. You know, um, you know, maybe Apple, maybe Apple will be the the catalyst to say to you know they had Bob Iger on there from Disney, the CEO of Disney, um, saying like yeah, we're we're anticipating a more interactive and immersive experience on the Disney Plus app, and mm-hmm. um, maybe that will lead to Google. Uh, updating YouTube to make, you know, you can do kind of 3D stuff on YouTube now, but it seems like a little limited. And, and it, of yeah. course, it's always content constraint. You know, it depends on the content. The content producers have to put it out um, in order for that to be there. So, yeah, may, yeah. maybe by this the is time, the time. Yeah. yeah, by the time this comes out, there will be very exclusive content that people want that will only be available on this device you they're going to announce in the next six months of some sort of nfl partnership with this some sort of mlb some sort of nba partnership i mean the disney stuff is already there but there will be very high-end content that will only be available on this device there's no question about that yeah and people will start to look at that and be like oh 35 dollars i'm sorry 3500 dollars and i can go to the world series the super bowl in the NBA finals. Right. You know, that's not terrible. Or tra- you know, trade shows, distance trade learning. Shows. I can, I can watch in 3d. I can get, you know, right. These, these three Disney movies are going to be out two months earlier on this, you know, right. It's got two hours of battery life. That's let, let me talk about the battery real quick. Cause this is, the, yes. this is another, this is another bad faith gesture that is so obvious to me when I see this come from Apple and companies like Tesla and Samsung, like yeah. clearly the battery did not have to be proprietary from, from the interconnect on, onto mm. the device to the battery itself. And that, that's another anti-consumer move, right? I mean, Sure, if you have a if you have a proprietary mag connection to the to the strap to get to your cable, but I mean, come on, that should have been a USB C plug. With fine, you can have an Apple branded battery that you you can go into it, but should, it just didn't need to be this kind of closed loop device that is like a static, you know, because you could be sitting down, you get larger batteries or by rotations, and you know what I mean. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. We went through this. Remember when, uh, when Samsung used to be able to replace the batteries on the phones and Apple, you couldn't do that. And that was a big selling point. Remember Samsung built a whole campaign around that right. and the campaign flopped. And then on the next generation, Samsung's, they turn around and did the exact same thing Apple right. did, you right. know? Um, but to, you know, um, EU has made them, you know, and they're the next iPhones are going to be USB C, right? So that's right, that's a good thing. So maybe and by the doing time it with the electric cars, too, you know, the EU it's, um, basically forced Tesla's hand because Tesla launched with it with their proprietary connector for charging. And the EU said, told Tesla, no, 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 you got you got to go with the standard and their CCS in, um, in EU. The, ha- the uh, U.S. hasn't forced Tesla's hand yet. And then to further complicate matters, which we didn't, we're running long, but Ford just announced last week that they're going to adopt Tesla's uh, interconnect. Right. So we're just like forever stuck in this uh, standards war with these companies. I mean, 
you know, all the way back to Betamax, VHS, and and all ACDC electrical current. ACDC, <laughs> back yeah. you want to go? Yeah. Driving on the left or the right, it's just ugh. I wish these companies would just, you know, not do that. But yeah. anyways, we're we're running long. You want bring you want bring it up? Yeah, Brian Williams from North Shire Consulting, Connecticut-based investment advisory firm, and Eric. <laughs> Uh, I'm Eric Bierendorf, CEO of Evernet Consulting. We're uh, an IT and digital marketing uh, company for businesses all over the country. If you're interested in how we can help you, go to evernetco.com and uh, schedule a discovery call. Follow us on social at evernetco. All right. We'll see you next week. Oh, that's it. All right. See you, bud.